Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Corinne Bursa with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's episode. Corinne, how you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. Been looking forward to this conversation. We have too. And you know, we've been very fortunate uh, to uh, interview other leaders from this or this, this uh, very hot organization. Uh, we've also talked about how our family members are big fans of the brand that we're going to be talking about here today. But in particular, Corinne, with this business leader here today that's doing big things out in the industry, we're going to be focused really on ESG and especially sustainability. It should be a great conversation, right? It should be. I'm I'm looking forward to learning more about what they're doing because they've been, um, you know, very um, upfront and um, aggressive about some of their plans. And I can't wait to hear what she has to tell us. That makes two of us. So with that, let's welcome in our featured guest today. I want to welcome in Deanna Bratter, Vice President and Global Head of Sustainability with Crocs. Deanna, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. You bet. Well, hey, thanks for carving out some time. Uh, Corinne, I bet I bet she's got three or four full plates, don't you think? I'm sure. And I bet she can <laughs> switch her shoes in between, you know, in between courses too. <laughs> Right, right, right. Well, um, and as we mentioned on the front end, uh, I look forward to, you know, one of my favorite things to do, uh, Corinne, you and I have chatted about this today, is really learn the operations and the business side behind some of our favorite brands. And Deanna, thanks for giving us that opportunity here today. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here and talk about our awesome brands and how we bring sustainability to life. So, uh, you you mentioned the magic word. Before we get into that, Let's learn more about Deanna Bratter. So I want to start, Corinne and I want to start with, hey, where did you grow up, Deanna? Uh, well, I was very fortunate to grow up in sunny South Florida, just outside of Fort Lauderdale, but I have called Colorado and the Rockies home for almost 20 years now. Oh, so you get a native badge in Colorado after 20 years, right? Uh, they hold those native badges pretty close, actually. <laughs> but yes, been here a long time and, and love to call it home. So, Corinne, you can relate here because you also grew up, I believe, in South Florida. Is that right, Corinne? I did. I did. I grew up in Palm Beach County, and I was blessed to live for about a year and a half in Denver. So I got a little taste of the Rockies, too. And it's pretty special as well. Mm, I agree. So, Deanna, uh, and maybe Corinne, too. Who knows? We'll see. We're going to find out. Uh, Deanna, what was one of your favorite parts? Like, I immediately, of course, you go to Sunshine and theme parks and friendly people, but the food in South Florida is where my brain went to. So what was one of your favorite uh, food dishes growing up there in South Florida? That is a hard question. Uh, well, I'm a lifelong vegetarian, so I don't know how far my recommendations go. Um, I always like to say if Colorado had the beach and the ocean, it would be the perfect place to live. Okay. Um, but growing up in South Florida, especially as a vegetarian, there are some phenomenal South Indian restaurants down there uh, that are definitely my favorite. Completely agree. And you know, speaking of Indian cuisine, I was in Denver here recently, and uh, uh, I think a small local... Um, maybe a chain, maybe just a one-off restaurant called Little India. Um, I can't remember the section of Denver I was in, but 
Holy cow. It was delicious, Deanna and Karan. So a little shout out to those great folks over there. Um, let's talk about um, prior to your current role. So we're going to focus in on what you're doing at Crocs here momentarily. But before you joined the Crocs team, what's a, a role or two that really impacted your worldview and, and your leadership approach perhaps? A great place to start. Uh, we're definitely built by the experiences that come before. So I spent um, the last nearly 20 years in the natural products and natural foods industry, uh, moving into the food industry and really focused my career and my journey and my learning journey on sustainable food systems. So it's been quite an incredible step to get into the world of fashion and retail. Um, but ultimately, in, in my career and my journey with different brands, working on on macro sustainability challenges. So carbon emissions, natural resource use, supply chain, complexity and transformation, sustainable innovation, the list goes on. There's lots of topics in there. Uh, but the idea is really to find interventions and solutions that can help address these challenges uh, and as they emerge, because this is a really fast changing um, area of focus. And as the business changes, so does sustainability. That's right. And, and Corinne, um, on the front end of her answer, now I'm always uh, very appreciative that as many differences as there are between the different sectors of, of global business, there are some really key common themes and best practices that we can lean on. Your thoughts, Corinne? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, obviously, Deanna's been in some businesses that are leading edge and looking to do something different in the marketplace while providing really high quality experience for the consumer. Um, so to do that and to do it in a world-conscious way, shall we say, while looking to run a profitable business, it's challenging. So I can't wait to hear more. No kidding. Um, okay, one quick follow-up question, Deanna, uh, to the sustainable uh, food systems you mentioned. Um, if you can, is there one thing that maybe listeners would not connect the dots on to uh, sustainability in food with with what they purchase at the stores or, or dishes? Is there anything that really sticks out in terms of a, a key lesson that you learned during that phase of your career that would be interesting to share? For sure. I, th I think there's a lot of interesting things to share. I think when you look at the food system and the farming systems that support the food system and then the role that fossil fuels play in the food systems, farming systems, and now as I step into the fashion system, you find a lot of similarities and a lot of highlights. I think the best thing you can do as a food consumer is look at the ingredients and for as much transparency as possible. And I think transparency is a theme that you'll see in my approach to sustainability. I absolutely think as a food consumer, really looking um, at those ingredients, where they're coming from is one of the best things you can do to stay informed. Oh, great points. Um, and, you know, one last thought around the food supply chain. Corinne, you may remember this episode. Uh, roughly six months or so ago, I interviewed a pollination expert, and we talked about that component, really incredibly important component to food supply chain and, and how a lot of the environments that our pollinators lean on are unfortunately uh, going through some, some big-time change. So thank you for sharing, uh, Deanna, uh, around yeah. some of your background. I've had the opportunity to work in the pollinator conservation and protection spaces, as well as regenerative agriculture, and really figuring out the connection to the land and the decisions we make in bringing our ingredients and our products to life and how that um, flows through the entirety of the system. So uh, it's really powerful. I'm glad you guys uh, leaned in and learned more about that. I love, okay, so clearly Crocs, 
signed a, a heavy hitter uh, to their team, their leadership team here with your hire. So let's shift gears there. Um, let's talk more about Crocs. Again, for the you know, two people out there that uh, is unfamiliar with the organization, tell us about Crocs and then tell us also about your role that you're leading there at Crocs. All right. Uh, so Crocs is a world leader in casual footwear for adults and children. Um, through our Crocs brand, we're the leader in molded footwear. And we also welcomed another brand uh, last year, the Hey Dude brand, which is one of the fastest growing additions to the casual and comfortable footwear market. Uh, so we're really excited to have these two incredible fast growing brands united under the Crocs company mission for everyone to be comfortable in their own shoes. Mm. Um, with that mission, we're driving home this purpose, which is what helps drive our action. And that is to create a more comfortable world for all. So I've been really fortunate to join the Crocs team with this incredible mission to help define what is creating a more comfortable world for all look like and setting the strategy that inherently is driving that. And I can talk more about that if you'd like to dive in. We're about to dive in, Deanna, because I love so much of the answer. And, and just going back to, um, and Corinne, I'd love to get your response. Everyone being comfortable in their own shoes. There's so many valuable, positive meanings to that phrase. Corinne, get you to respond before I've got one more question for Deanna. Yeah, I mean, comfortable in your own shoes is really important, but feeling good about the products that you're buying, I think, is important as well. And as you know, Scott, we've covered this a number of times. Um, there are generations now that that is their focus. They want to work with brands that are socially and environmentally conscious about the products they're bringing to market. So I think it's a really exciting time, and Crocs is doing some interesting things. They are. We're going to get to that. So I want to, before I turn it over to Corinne, um, let's, you know, consumers, investors, I think we've kind of alluded to it here, really increasing their focus and their priority on brands with those well-structured environmental, social, and governance, ESG, initiatives. We, all, we love our acronyms across the supply chain for sure. But, you know, for as much, as many common ways that maybe we look at ESG initiatives and what we think about what they comprise, what are some, uh, there's also plenty of unique nuance and, and unique aspects to those uh, strategies from company to company. So, uh, Deanna, to start with, how does Crocs define ESG? Yeah, so <laughs> there's definitely alphabet soup when it comes to acronyms uh, in many areas, especially sustainability. Um, so ESG and sustainability are often used interchangeably, and they are definitely deeply connected. Um, I like to think about ESG in terms of the stakeholders responsible for the company, for the identity of the company, for the culture of the company, for the decision making. Um, and those stakeholders include the board, the CEO, executive leadership, employees, shareholders. Um, so there's a lot of stakeholders that help us figure out sort of who we are as a company. And then I'd like to think about sustainability in terms of the relationship we have with the world around us. So our business and the communities we impact, our business and the environment that's giving us our materials or that we're impacting with our production. And so... Simply, the, the idea here is ESG is how the world impacts a company or an investment, whereas sustainability, how the company impacts the world. A little, a little simplistic for sure, uh, but a way to help sort of navigate how sometimes we use them interchangeably because you never really have one without the other. Yeah, well said there. Corinne, I want to toss over to you and you know, respond to that definition, and then I know we're going to find out a lot more about uh, Croc's ESG journey. 
Yeah, absolutely. That is so interesting. And thank you for that, that perspective, that point of view. I think that that's, that's one I'm going to carry with me for sure. When you look at the, the journey that Crocs has been on as a company, where do you find yourself today? Do you consider yourself in the early stages, uh, Deanna, or uh, is Crocs leading an industry segment? Uh, so I would say both. It depends on how you slice it. Um, for sure, we are early in our sustainability journey, having just set our carbon goal a little more than a, a year, year and a half ago, uh, really defining our strategy going forward and, and building a lot of the fundamentals. But I think when it comes to fashion and footwear, uh, consumers are hungry for companies to lead. And I think Crocs is really uniquely established with the Crocs brand having a product that inherently is a much lower carbon footprint than competitors while staying affordable and accessible to global consumers. So I think um, our innovation and our product and the way we've really looked at the development and the future of our product, I would say, is is leading through that innovation lens. And I would say regarding some of the more traditional ESG, establishing targets, establishing baselines and sort of building the fundamentals of good corporate citizenship ESG program, we're definitely earlier in our journey, but we're making incredible strides. I like that incredible strides just kind of naturally flows there when you're talking about uh, innovative footwear. When you think of innovation, you think of product innovation um, and fashion, right, which is your business. And fashion means short life cycles. It means new colors, new uh, features for products. How do you design that into the products. So you're starting, you know, at the get-go before the product ever comes to market while thinking about this strategy and this initiative um, and the desires of your consumers. Great question. With our shoes, we are very fortunate because inherently our product is designed to last a very long time and have a lot of use cases in your day to day. Where Crocs are showing up, uh, maybe 20 years ago when we first started taking off as a brand, you would hear a lot of folks saying in the garden, uh, you know, while I'm doing housework. And now they're in the workplace, they're on the go, they're even on the red carpet. And so the uses of the sh- of our shoe, of our iconic classic clog, um, are really everywhere and incredible. And they last an amazingly long time. We've also designed innovation around customization. So we have our charms or our gibbets where you can really personalize them for use case and different occasions. So I think you're starting to see um, how fashion can not necessarily be fast. Now, certainly there's an inherent tension in fashion consumption, wanting to have all the colors and all the styles. And I think the way that we look at that is you can feel good from a starting place that per pair, our classic clog is about 2.56 kilograms of emissions per pair. That's about a quarter of a gallon of gas. So as far as you drive six miles is the emissions on the full life cycle of one pair of Crocs. So that's a pretty incredibly low starting place. Doesn't mean we can't do better. uh, And we've got lots of uh, things in the works to do that, but it means compared to other shoes you might be buying with more components uh, that might not last as long, we're from from a carbon perspective, we're starting off in a really great place. Corinne, if I could uh, interject for just a quick minute and respond to what Deanna said there. You know, the data, you know, we've already touched on this a couple of times, but consumer data, uh, time and time again, shows that um, uh, consumers more and more are looking for that what I'll call apparel with purpose or apparel with practicality. 
in some cases more than than fashion itself. It's really amazing what we're seeing the evolution. So, that, that, Deanna, that's really cool to hear. Corinne, sorry, I wanted to interject really quick and and uh, uh, share a couple tidbits. No, absolutely. I, I think um, consumers are looking for brands with purpose, and um, and our fashion, um, both from a functionality perspective, but also from an individuality perspective, I think is is a great way to do that. So, when and you Corinne, mentioned things, you, you I'm also sorry? mentioned uh, you mentioned earlier as you were posing that question to Deanna that consumers are also really appreciating our craving market leadership. And I can't agree. I, I, I almost said amen, shout it louder for folks in the back when you shared that. I think, I think really we're seeing that a lot more and more. Uh, companies that, that we have a lot of respect for those first movers that are serving as an example of how we, how we drive change. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one thing I can tell you is that Crocs is growing. Um, they're growing like gangbusters. So they've um, really experienced some tremendous growth over the last couple of years. And I think that that is elevating their platform even more. So Deanna, when you think about that, you think about the growth, the growth in the product portfolio. I know that um, that Crocs did an important acquisition as well, which expanded uh, beyond the Crocs brand to include the Hey Dude brand. Um, again, known for comfort and casual style. So it's a great fit with their portfolio, but that gives you that much more opportunity as you look at your initiatives. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us what it's like at scale as a part of a growing double-digit growth company that's in this hot space of, of uh, casual footwear. Great. So it's fun. Uh, it's, it's really fun to be part of a fast-growing company. It creates a lot of opportunity for the easy conversations. How do we um, resource and invest in sustainability as we're growing? And hard conversations. What are the trade-offs we need to make to move fast, to grow the brand, to keep our cost and our, our affordability high? So we're really taking a quite a broad approach when we think about sustainability. We have three pillars that we focus on. Our core sustainability, which is really around our environmental impact. And we call this um, comfort without carbon or comfort for the planet and really linking the importance of our product uh, and purchase drivers to our sustainability journey. Then we have our uh, inclusivity pillar. So we're working hard to be an inclusive employer to reflect our consumers and the communities who are passionate about our products. Um, so where we live and work and really bringing that inclusivity, not just into our business, but also out through our products. And then the last one is comfort for our community. So we are committed to being good corporate stewards and to engaging in the communities globally where we work. We're really proud to be a global brand um, with, with global growth. And so this comes to life in nonprofits that we partner with, in our giving strategy of giving um, not only funds, but giving time and giving shoes and really making sure that we're connecting on timely human needs. So what is the impact we want to have for society and what role do we play um, as a good corporate player in the sustainability space? So when you look holistically at our strategy, uh, you know, pretty straightforward 
sustainability, community, and inclusivity. This is really where we're building the foundation for both the Crocs brand and the Hey Dude brand so that we can show up and that we can make change. And um, to the point earlier, we know that this is what the consumers of today and the consumers of the future are looking for. And we feel really not only well positioned, but proud of the stand that we've taken um, to be an inclusive brand, to, to engage with our communities and to be really driving sustainability through our platform and our products. Deanna, when when Croc started this, when did Croc start this focus in a specific area of sustainability and um, uh, ESG initiative? When, when did it start and how far or how long did it take before you felt like you were making a measurable impact? It's a great question. So this is only a 20-year-old brand. We just celebrated our 20-year anniversary, and we've got a lot of players, uh, companies that I've worked for in the past, other major players in sustainability who have been around 100 plus years working at this at, at various levels. So I would say since Crocs was created, there was an eye on simplicity, and simplicity often lends itself to sustainability. I would say in the last couple of years, we've really started to accelerate. So our commitment to net zero uh, that we established just a couple of years ago, and then recently a really incredible innovation that we've been accelerating over the last two years um, is incorporating bio-based material into our classic clog and into all of our products, which use a resin that we refer to as Crosslight. So if you know a croc, you know this material. Uh, it's, it builds the foundation of comfort um, and this molded footwear. Uh, that is, um, I, you know, our iconic styles, and it's in all of our products on the Crocs brand. So um, bio-based material is coming through a partnership with Dow, and this innovation has, uh, it's called Equilibrium, and it's the idea of we can take bio-waste or byproducts from other industries and use it as a replacement for a fossil fuel that might have created the product and the resin for the product in the past. So um, this uh, bio-based material is a huge part of our transformation strategy, and we're really looking at it portfolio-wide. So all of our products that have Crosslight are in a transition to include more biomaterial. And the material itself is coming from uh, byproducts that you might find in used cooking oil uh, or tall oil, which is a waste product out of paper mill recycling. So really cool innovation here, using things that might otherwise not have a purpose and putting them right back into our shoes as a drop-in replacement for other resins uh, or materials that we're using. So the idea here is while other companies might have a sustainable shoe, uh, I should put air quotes, a sustainable <laughs> shoe, uh, where if you're looking for a sustainable shoe or you're willing to pay more for a sustainable shoe, you can go get one. But for Crocs, you can feel good that we're incorporating BioBase into our entire line of footwear, rolling out as, as we can scale up percentage by percentage, um, and that every pair of Crocs you buy are going to include BioBase material and get our carbon footprint even lower, already low, even lower. That's that's exciting, and and um, that's putting it into your design and your materials. Tell us a little bit, Deanna, about supply chain being kind of in the front line of your initiatives as well, right? The the cost to not just to produce those products, but to move them to market. What kind of things are you doing in that area? So supply chain is inherent in all sustainability. Our partnerships with our suppliers, uh, manufacturing, material inputs along the way. So 
One of the biggest things when you have a carbon goal is to set your baseline. So we've been on a journey for the last 10 months uh, to really understand not only where our emissions are coming from, but make sure that we have a Crocs brand footprint. And now that we've welcomed Hey Dude rebaselining to understand where we are as a company in terms of carbon emissions. From there, we start to understand where our major impacts are. Uh, so materials being one, um, manufacturing being another, and transportation and distribution. You can find those at the top of most uh, fashion products, especially footwear, in terms of emissions. So now that we know where to lean in, we start to really look at the pieces of the supply chain that are most instrumental in us understanding where the emissions are coming from, what the opportunities for reduction are, um, and forming really strong partnerships with our supply chain partners so that we can drive change over time. And a really important thing here is sustainability takes time. If there's anything I learned from coming out of food systems, you can think to farmers cultivating every year, you have a new crop. Materials are very much the same. You need to create the materials. There's a, a really integrated manufacturing process. Then there's transportation. Um, the system itself takes time and the integrated nature of the system is where we can find the biggest opportunities to influence sustainability. So there's obvious ones like transportation and distribution, use more efficient transportation, use less fuels, use less air and more um, marine sh uh, maritime shipping. So there's a lot of opportunities we can find in there, but I think the reality is looking for our biggest impacts and then building reduction strategies tied to those uh, over time is really the way that we're approaching this on our journey to net zero. And has it, has it changed your criteria for the partners that you work with? Do you approach new partners or your existing partner network with, um, you know, some specific um, criteria as far as production and distribution um, and packaging uh, go? Yeah, supplier relationships are critically important at every level of a successful business, right? And your suppliers fit into your business strategy. And if you're doing it right, your sustainability strategy fits into your business strategy and is deeply connected. So for Crocs, we have a high set of standards that we expect of our suppliers. We have uh, statements of compliance, we have code of conduct, we have restricted substances, we have um, obviously quality uh, checks and performance, and we have uh, social compliance um, audits. So right now we have a very comprehensive process where we're working through um, connectivity and visibility and all of those fronts with all of our tier one suppliers moving into our tier two even more fully, and then really looking at transparency, uh, which is one of the big challenges in the fashion industry is really understanding not just your tier one and tier two, but your three, four, five, six, and even seven, depending on how complex your supply chain is. So the better visibility we have, the stronger we can make partnerships. So we set those expectations um, and then we work together to make sure that it's a, a strong partnership for the business and from a sustainability lens. Hey, Corinne, if I can real quick, <clears throat> um, I, I'm loving what we're hearing here on so many different levels. Uh, going back to uh, some of her earlier responses, you know, making no assumptions, right? Really doing the homework and making no assumptions about where the sustainability gains will come from. Um, doing it with their suppliers, not to their suppliers, but with it really in a very forward-looking way, right? Because as we've talked about time and time again here at Supply Chain Now, um, that old phrase, dig your well before you're thirsty. You can't all of a sudden microwave relationships, you know, that they, they've got to be part of the cultural approach to supplier development and supplier relationships. And also knowing, I think I think the billion, one of the billion dollar ideas 
that Deanna shared with us is that she she and the team know that the real gains are in the systemic aspect of what they're trying to do, not the quick wins and quick hits. Those are important, right, for momentum and and um, uh, and the esprit de corps and the sheer outcomes and results. But the big gains is when it becomes part of the overall holistic system, and that is uh, that's a really important thing for our listeners to remember. There. One last thing, Corinne, because. Um, Deanna mentioned Hey Dude a couple of times, a new exciting uh, line. Is it just me? But when I think of Hey Dude, I'm going to change my association after this interview. I think of there was a Nickelodeon show in the late 80s and early 90s, 90s called Hey Dude. Do y'all remember this or is it just me? Uh, I'm going to change my association. Sadly, I do. Yeah. Time to, time to up, update that association. Yes, it uh, is. Definitely encourage you to check them out. There's this phenomenon where once you put on one pair of Hey Dude, and you're like, wow, and then you end up with a handful more. So well, uh, really comfortable, super um, creative in terms of the styles and, and the types, the fabrics that you can get. It's a really fun line. And I think if you haven't seen them, now that you're aware of the brand, it's one of those that you'll just start seeing them everywhere. I'm going out to get a pair. And clearly, we already have a super fan in the Bursa household, right, Corinne? You're sharing something pre-show. <laughs> yes, we do. My husband is quite a, has been quite a fan of the Crocs products for years, especially the loafers. Um, uh, fortunately, because he has a really big foot, and seeing seeing that size foot in the uh, the classic um, Croc is is a little scary, especially in a bright color, but. But the uh, the loafer <laughs> styles work really well for him. So I'm going thank to get you. some right thank now. You, thank you for that. And and the hey dude is um, is a really nice looking shoe. Um, that's that's really comfortable as well. So um, lots to choose from. A lot more than you think from just the classic uh, the classic <laughs> right. clog style that's been out there. Uh, you know, Deanna, I have a question, a burning question. When I talk to companies about their sustainability and their ESG initiatives, um, a lot of times it's countered by finding the green and green initiatives, right? Finding the profitability for the business in in green initiatives. But uh, we're seeing Crocs go through a tremendous growth trajectory right now, clearly the sustainability initiative, the ESG initiative goes well beyond. This is not new. It's not new to the business. As you just told us, the, the brand is roughly 20 years old in the marketplace and was kind of built with an eye in mind um, to be a high-value product that, um, that is sustainable. When you look at all of these initiatives, because it is investments, it's, it's, it's looking at the best way to work with partners, what would your advice be to other brands that are looking to, um, to be profitable, to grow their business, but also to be responsible in the way that they do that? Any words of encouragement there? Yes, it is uh, certainly the challenge of sustainability, the idea that it needs to be a trade-off, needs to, needs to be in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the fact is, good ESG practice and strong sustainability is about what I like to say, finding the and. Profitability and sustainability, good for people and good for planet, good for business and bottom line, and good for your carbon targets or sustainability. So if you take this mentality of finding the and, you're pushing into innovation, you're pushing into creativity, 
and you're really looking to partner this idea of investments um, where you might have to make them, because that is a fact, with beneficial reduction opportunities. So if we know that we're going down a path where we're going to need to make some investment, let's parallel a path of a project that's going to give us. So it doesn't always have to be the same project, um, but we definitely want to look holistically to find the balance. So if the if the project isn't a slam dunk and it's not able to generate those cost savings, uh, which a good place to look for those is often energy use, is often waste, uh, waste reduction, recycling. There's oftentimes financial savings and sustainability savings. But when you go beyond those, um, the idea that you're going to have long-term opportunity and you're going to need long-term investment. And so how do we balance short-term investment, short-term results with long-term investment and long-term results? The other thing is we have to start challenging ourselves to remember that business resiliency um, is tied to sustainability and risk avoidance. So we know that the impacts of climate change, the impacts of the crazy weather that we're having, in many places can have impacts on raw materials like cotton, on transparent uh, or efficient transportation. And so we want to think long-term resiliency, the better that we can do as a company to address sustainability and do our part, the more we can build in resiliency, awareness of sustainability strategies and, and really strong programs to help us um, be proactive in addressing those needs. So big piece there for anyone starting out is we've got to really think short term and long term hand in hand. And as a publicly traded company and a fast growing company, um, we got to give ourselves credit for those short term wins and keep the eye on the prize around long term transformation. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, and you, um, you know, you talked about things so naturally. When we think about key performance indicators in this area, right, we, we think about fuel consumption, we think about waste. What are the top three key performance indicators you keep your eye on for the business as you head the initiative, really, um, for Crocs? Yeah, so we're looking at metrics across our initiatives of community inclusivity and sustainability. So one of our big ones is carbon. Um, carbon is often a lagging indicator, right? You're looking at a year past of your carbon emissions. And so really connecting your emissions with your actions and being able to embed uh, a carbon, an understanding of carbon in upfront decision-making. So we won't always say, all right, this shoe is heavier than our iconic clog. That means it probably has more emissions. Are we gonna launch it? Are we not gonna launch it? That's not usually gonna be a sustainability decision. That's gonna be a business decision, a consumer decision. But the fact that we're stopping and having the conversation to say, we're making a decision that's gonna increase our footprint and we know that we have a net zero goal, how do we then need to adjust the plan to account for this is what business transformation is about. So really, even though sustainability folks have to focus a lot on lagging indicators, looking for the opportunity to influence decision-making upfront and look for leading indicators uh, where you can kind of adjust the levers upfront and then have that impact on the back end is really important. Um, I think we're definitely looking across DEI initiatives and making sure that we've got really strong KPIs in place there so we can feel great that not only are we building a culture of inclusivity that we're showing progress over time um, and 
our community piece and having some sort of indicator that says, not just are we giving a lot of funds, we're giving a lot of shoes, we're so proud to do that and it's so important for us to be able to give back, but what's the impact we're having on people? Um, so we're really proud of some recent initiatives. We've done this great campaign called Free Pair for Healthcare over the last few years and we've given hundreds of thousands of pairs. Uh, we did uh, an effort recently this year to raise funds and we donated more than 200,000 pairs of classic clogs to Ukraine refugee relief efforts. So there's a big role that we have to play. And I think really focusing on not just what you're giving, but how many people you're impacting through that work and where the need is, is another really powerful uh, measurement tool that you can use. Yeah, I Companies, agree. I agree. Go ahead. Oh, I, I agree. Um, Scott, you and I have talked about that before and, and, and we're well aware of the Crocs initiative during COVID and, and just helping to take care of our healthcare workers and, and that, that kindness, yes, but it is a functional product that just made the hours and hours they've been on their feet that much easier to, to absorb. Uh, yes, absolutely. And companies that lead, companies that lead. You know, this is, I think, the third Crocs executive, Corinne, that you and I have had a chance to uh, sit down and interview with. And there's so, um, the sense of purpose, I and mean, it's really a common theme here, and, and the actions and the outcomes and the deeds, not words. I love that aspect of the Colts, uh, the Crocs uh, organization. All right. So, um, Again, really appreciate you carving some time out. As busy as you all are at Crocs and, and all the change you're all driving, a lot of what you touched on here and, and Corinne, as we've mentioned on, on some of the earlier episodes we picked up, uh, my mother is a retired registered nurse. So the love you all have put uh, um, and, and how you all have embraced the healthcare community has gone through you know, something we've never seen in our lifetimes. I mean, I really admire what Crocs did there. Um, so let's do this. You were just, you kind of just uh, offered up a master class, <laughs> so many tips on for folks that are out there leading and fighting their own ESG journey and looking to drive real outcomes and real change. Um, beyond all of those best practices and some of your expertise there, is there anything else you'd like to share or recommend to people that are out there you know, fighting in the trenches? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks to your mom and all of the hardworking healthcare workers out there. Uh, it, it's just an incredible feat. So I'm always in awe and supportive, even though I know I'm doing some hard work over here. I am not on the front lines uh, with all those important healthcare workers. So um, I would say, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about focusing on impact and what the outcomes are. I talked a little bit about sort of short-term, long-term, and that is around sort of incremental versus these big transformational ideas. I think the biggest thing that sometimes we jump over is backing up and setting that vision. What is it you're trying to do? In the grand scheme of things, most of our companies are going to be a small percentage, even a rounding error in global emissions, right? We know that it's going to take the action of many to make change. So for all these individual businesses, it's so important to have a mission and to have a vision that's aligned with your product and aligned with your core business strategy that is going to help you set the intention for sustainability and purpose. Once you've got that, all the other pieces start to come in place. But sustainability is 50% about action and 50% about influence. It is not going to take me and a team of folks with the title sustainability to make the change. It's going to take all of the individuals cross-functional, across teams and throughout the supply chain 
to actually make that impact and change the decisions into more sustainable, more environmentally uh, beneficial, more inclusive decision-making in the day-to-day. And that all comes from having a clear purpose uh, with a really strong intention from day one. So if you're at a business and you're not quite sure how sustainability fits, it's going back to the mission figuring out that purpose connection and using that to help influence those leaders and that decision-making and business strategy going forward. All the rest starts to come into place after that. Wow, Corinne. I, I know. I could, I could just keep listening. I know. I, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I love the way she said that. That's so right. good. Right. Um, and I love the passion with which you're, you you share um, what, what you're doing at Crocs. And obviously, um, I, I know that our listeners are going to be just really inspired by this. But I like the intentionality, the fact that it's designed in to the products that it is also designed in to supply chain decisions, that they look at individual products, but also the whole product portfolio as well. And they're doing it for a brand that is is building a follower base and um, you know a community of customers that just feel good about the product that they're buying and wearing every day. Yeah, a very loyal uh, community at that. So well said there, Corinne. Um, okay. I bet, as Corinne alluded, I bet there's going to be lots of Deanna Bratter fans in our global ecosystem after hearing you know, the last uh, 40 minutes with you. Um, how can folks connect with you and Crocs, Deanna? Well, you can find out more information about Crocs and our ESG and sustainability journey through our 2021 ESG report, which we issued last year. Uh, It's on crocs.com, our investor page. And then keep your eyes out for our 2022 report coming the first half of the year. So we're doing our job, all those disclosures, but we're also trying to tell the stories of the initiatives that we have um, and what we're doing. Um, You can also stay connected with Crocs on social media. We have an account on just about any channel platform out there. and then for me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just that easy. And folks, you'll be able to find a lot of those links in the show notes uh, on the episode page. So Deanna Bratter, Vice President, Global Head of Sustainability with the Crocs, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking with you both. You bet. Okay, Corinne, man, um, there are so many of my favorite parts in the last uh, hour or so. And the, you, you hit on it. The passion, I mean, the expertise, been there, done that. Of course, uh, Deanna's got that by the truckload. But the passion, uh, is there any doubt that she and her team are going to be out there driving real change, both within the walls, so to speak, and outside of it, right? I think absolutely. But but what came across to me with that passion, Scott, is that it's not just her team. It is the business. So across the board, as a part of the strategy for Crocs, for their product portfolio, for their supply chain team, this is embedded, right? This is part of the DNA of what they're doing from product design, as we heard, right through to product delivery. So that, to me, is really exciting. And I like the way she expressed and people and planet, not people or planet. It's not a trade-off, and we do hear those trade-offs quite often, but that it is, in fact, inclusive and that they look at those equally for their business. That made an impression. I'm with you. And to our listeners, hey, find the and. There's so much importance there. And that's that's like uh, whether it uh, uh, relates to your ESG 
uh, leadership, supply chain, just your view of humanity. I think you find the end. I think that's a, such a great piece of advice amongst everything else that Deanna shared. So big thanks to Deanna Bradder and the Crocs team for spending some time here. Hey, big thanks to Corinne Bursa. Uh, Corinne, how can folks connect with you? Yeah, hey, find me on LinkedIn as well. And uh, be sure to check out uh, Supply Chain Now and Tech Talk. Awesome. Well, a pleasure to connect this conversation. What a great conversation here. Thank you so much, Corinne. Hey, to all of our listeners out there, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have. As Corinne mentioned, be sure to find Supply Chain Now wherever you get your podcast from. Hey, find us on YouTube. It's one of the easiest ways to connect with our content and participate, even more importantly, participate in, in our shows and programming. So on behalf of the whole team here, at Supply Chain, Corinne versus uh, Scott Luton, signing off for now, but challenging you, hey, be like Deanna Bradder. Do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.